Welcome to When Spreadsheets is the Fan. I'm your host, John Litterick. In today's episode, I talk to Randy Hall of Logically. Logically is a leading national managed IT service provider who's been making IT management easy and secure for hundreds of corporations, healthcare organizations, not-for-profits, and public sector agencies since 1999. Randy Hall is a director of project management at Logically. Randy has over 30 years of business and IT experience, spanning everything from business systems, software development, infrastructure, and project management. Randy is a true IT professional. Randy has spent most of his career helping companies in transition build project-focused, customer-centric departments. In today's episode, Randy and I discuss things such as building a world-class PMO. What does that look like? Secondly, the biggest mistake that Randy has seen people make when they establish a PMO initially And finally, Randy's thoughts on what are the right key performance indicators to measure your PMO with. If you like what Randy has to say, please follow the show and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Let's jump right into it. Welcome to When Spreadsheets Hit the Fan, a Birdview podcast. This is a show for leaders in fast-growing professional service organizations looking for the latest conversations around service delivery best practices. Let's get into the show. Hey, Randy. So, you know, you've been doing project management for a long time, Um, you know, many places, and you have a lot of background in project management. So what we want to talk about today is, you know, based on your work experience, what's the biggest mistake you see organizations make and what should they stop doing right away? I really... um... I'd really like to see organizations stop using their PMOs as reporting organizations. So many companies start out to create a PMO and they manage projects in like a standard way. Um, However, uh, when the data starts to flow, accounting and upper management tend to be really more excited about the data coming out of them than actually getting, you know, focusing on what ROI they can get from their PMO. Well, uh, can you give me an example of where you've seen this mistake? Um, yeah, I was actually uh, consulting at a company um, in just different technology areas, and one of the areas they had me working in was helping them kind of get their PMO organized before, while they were looking for someone to actually operate it, you know, to run, to run it. Um, the organization uh, was in a state of of, of reorging, and uh, I knew that IT leadership had been looking for more measurement about where costs were primarily. Um, when the PMO, when the, they finally found a PMO manager, uh, and I met with her coming in, I warned her about it and, you know, said, Hey, you need to be very careful here. They're going to turn this into just a financial reporting engine. Um, unfortunately, uh, that's what happened. She was just not able to kind of get ahead of the, uh, executive leadership on that. Yeah, this is really interesting to me. I've been around project management advising on everything from intake processes. We sell project management software here. And I, I've never heard anyone articulate this, but it really makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Okay, so if a, a company is, um, you know, not running a PMO the way it's intended, but just it's becoming more of a, just a, a reporting center, what do you think is the negative impact for that organization, tangible and intangible? Primarily, the uh, you know a true project management office is really. Uh, their strength is in, uh, you know, revamping process, right? Um, so 
when you start taking away that focus from process, you're not the the, co the companies aren't seeing the return on investment. Um, every project that ha that goes through the organization should get a little a little better, right? It, it, they should improve each time. Um, the uh, you know they, they should be able to lower the cost of of overall implementation. Um, they should see a more standardized uh, process coming out of it, which is really going to lead to uh, you know higher customer satisfaction rates, right? Uh, projects done in less time, less money, less less uh, issues after the project's been implemented uh, in, in the back end. Great. Um, and uh, you touched on a little bit. What about intangible things such as, you know, brand and reputation? Can you say a little bit more on that? So this, the company I was referring to, luckily, um, their end customers, their product, um, uh, the, the people who buy their end product really wouldn't see uh, what was going on internally. But they do have a lot of partnerships. And that's, that's the impact they had to their brand and reputation. Essentially, as, um, as, as this went forward, their partners, you know, kind of, they, they lost all credibility in being able to deliver on time on budget, right? Um, they, uh, internally, there was a ton of frustration uh, through the, uh, the implementation people and the project management uh, people in the PMO and the person who ran the PMO. There was, it just turned into a lot of uh, turnover. People were unhappy in their jobs. Um, a, lot, a lot of frustration from the technical people. We had a lot of turnover in the, in, from our technical staff, the implementation staff. Um, customers would, uh, one of the things I saw that came out was interesting was customers would actually start to kind of take over the project. So, the, you know, even though they hired this company as the expert to implement these things, they, uh, be, because there was no confidence in their ability to deliver, their, their, uh, their partners would bring in project managers from their side, and they would literally start taking over the projects to get them implemented. Huh. That is, that's pretty dramatic, actually. Uh, you know, I actually have not heard that before. Uh, so this is good. I think our listening audience, anyone that uh, is thinking about building a PMO or, you know, has a PMO is going to really think about it. Is it a reporting center? So this is good. So what, what should organizations really do instead, instead of, you know, turning the PMO into this reporting center? What, what should a PMO look like in your opinion? Um, I think the biggest thing to remember is the organizations should Remember that uh, financial and business reporting is the byproduct of what a PMO does. It's not its primary purpose. Uh, the byproduct. It's yeah, the byproduct. It's not okay, the primary good. purpose, right? Uh, they should position their PMO to be a key factor in streamlining deliverables internally and externally. A focus on ensuring that their company is delivering consistent and uniform projects for both internal and external stakeholders. Um, they should focus on documenting consistent and repeatable processes. That's one of the biggest things that I've seen is that... Um, even when uh, a company can get a PMO kind of operating as it should, they don't document the processes. So then the, then, the, then the PMO becomes based on the knowledge that's held within the people that are there. And when there's turnover, then things go back out of whack, right? Things start falling apart again. Right. Um, uh, uh, there's big, big uh, things they should look at in uh, standardized communication and cadence, right? Um, every project is... Uh, the status is communicated in the same way as the byproduct, right? It's very uniform across the board. I, I work for an MSP. Uh, because of that, we have our customers. Uh, we don't just do one project and out like, say, a software development company would do. So, you know, we may have, we have customers that have, may have up to like 14 or 15 projects going on at a time. 
no matter who the project manager is, they're, um, they're, the, all the communication is the same. It looks the same. It comes out in the same cadence. They know exactly what to expect from us at all times which is really huge. And that actually is a huge increase in, in customer satisfaction. That really resonates with me. I've advised a lot of uh, customers on how to set up their PMO. And, you know, those are the key things that I would focus on as well. So really, really well said. Projects, resources, finances, a single source of truth for service delivery teams. Birdview PSA helps increase profitability by automating and optimizing the entire service delivery cycle. To learn more, visit easyprojects.net slash birdview PSA. Okay, so this is the part of the show uh, where we try to, you know, have the guests distill their wisdom down into a very simple maxim. What would you stop doing? What would you start doing? Is there, could you, you know, for our listening audience, could you take all the things that you just shared about stopping and starting? Do you put it down into like one, one or two sentences? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not so popular in a world where big data rules everything. Um, okay. but I would say stop worrying about end result reporting and start, uh, focusing on the things that provide value to the process of getting the work done. Ooh, I like that. Well done, Randy. Well done. I'll just repeat that. Stop worrying about end result reporting and start focusing on the things that provide value to the process of getting the work done. I like it. I like it. Really, that, that, that's a cool, cool. Uh, well done. Okay, so now we go to the part of the show where we, we want to talk about why do you think so many organizations are doing this wrong behavior? Why are so many organizations turning the PMO into reporting center? What do you think is driving this kind of uh, behavior? What's, what's your opinion? What's your theory on this? Well, I mean, just from my experience, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, organizations go into creating a PMO without a clearly defined idea of how that will add value to the to the company, right? Okay. Um, the a lot of times I see the decision being based on a based on a feeling, right? Um, people, you know, you talk to people in the C suite, and they're like, "We feel like." you know, our projects are out of control. We feel like, you know, we're not getting enough information about, um, you know, uh, financials and how they're being delivered. And, you know, it's a lot of feel. I I've, I don't know if I've gone anywhere where I walked in and, and the company was like, all right, we want our PMO to deliver this type of value to the organization, right? They expect, what, what they typically do is they'll hire someone to run the PMO, expecting that person to come in and then figure out what the value proposition is for the PMO. Uh, that's a new person typically, right? That's not someone who knows the company that's been inside. So there's a lot of that that goes on. Um, I hit this question of all the time, and I love this. It's um, what are those implementation people doing all day? Right? <laughs> that's true. Yes. Yeah. I, I see that constantly. And it's like, well, they're doing stuff to implement, right? This is their job. But from an executive level leadership, C-level leadership, I mean, they just don't see it, right? They don't know, they don't have the visibility yeah. into that. Uh, so a lot of times that's all they're looking for or what are those people doing all day? I know they're costing us money, right? That's the, that's the, uh, the um, other part is I see companies that don't have a strong control organization in place. Uh, they're, they're typically starved for actionable data, right? They don't, mm. they, they don't know what's going on and they don't have anything they can act on They're It's again, going back to that feeling, they, they feel like this needs to happen or that needs to happen. Right. Um, so, um, so one of the big things they can do is um, the first thing when they 
implement their PMO is that the a person coming in usually is under a lot of pressure. And so the first thing they look for is what can I do for a quick win? And so yeah. the quick win is the low hanging fruit, which is, you know, it's like the three pillars of every PMI manual, you know, what's the, what's my timeline? What's my budget? Right. And uh, what, how many deliverables have I delivered? And yep. right. And, uh, and as we know, those are very rudimentary um, items. They're, they're necessary uh, evils for keeping the project in scope, but really lends no credibility to improving the delivery process for the, for the company. So, so they come in, they, they catch this low hanging fruit. They start delivering it over to, you know, executive leadership. Executive mm -hmm. leadership sees that and they think, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've seen anything like this. Give me <laughs> yeah. more, give me more, right? Yeah. Suddenly, um, the PMO just becomes a, a complete focus on financial reporting, basically, right? Uh, process reporting. Um, the uh, leadership becomes this kind of carnivorous engine that uh, just wants more and more data. The person running the PMO is all, all they're focusing all their time on making those numbers better. Again, they're not numbers that help us increase customer satisfaction or, or even employee satisfaction or streamline our processes to cut things out. These are just numbers that are going to tell us how well the project's doing. You know, it's, is the project healthy or not? And by the way, that, that's not even necessarily true. I've seen so many companies base uh, use such a simple measure where they don't really, because they're not mature enough, they don't, they don't focus on the actual effort of the work. They'll say, I have 100 tasks and I have 100 days and I'm halfway through my tasks and I'm halfway through my days and I'm halfway through my budget. So I must be all okay. Because those the first fifty tasks were only twenty percent of the work. Exactly, right? Twenty percent yeah, of work, twenty percent of the value. They're, it's all backloaded, and it's going to be scary. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually it's crazy, but yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, that that you know they just kind of go into this without without a real clear vision of how this value proposition works, and then it just becomes this provide me data kind of thing. And it, it just it just doesn't go anywhere. It, it sends a stall. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation because you know I've I've lived and seen everything you're saying. I've never actually had someone break it down and 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 you know pinpoint some of the root causes like you're doing it. This is really 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 great. Okay, so besides your experience and my experience, and we agree on what you're saying, um, in our listening audience can be skeptical. They might want some empirical third party data, and you might not have it. But if you do, it's great. Like. Uh, is there any data out there that you know of to support what you're saying? Um, yeah, I've, you know, if you just honestly, if you just uh, search around a little bit on the Internet, you'll find all kinds of articles about this. Um, I know that the um, Benson Consulting has a really good article on it. PMI has a has a whole area of this you know, study that that they talk about. Um, it's interesting. Some of the articles um, that refer to this show that 75 percent of PMOs will be disbanded in the first three years. Really? It's that high. I didn't know right. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very high. I was, I was huh. shocked. Um, but I can see it happening. And, and we've seen the cycle. I mean, you've been around. So companies, uh, you know, they, they get this feeling that they need to do something. So they form a PMO. They hire someone in. Turns into a reporting organization. They don't really see an ROI, right? A couple, three years goes by. And they're like, well, I don't think we really need all this organization around this. All these guys are doing is just delivering tech, you know, they're just doing task delivery and then they'll disband the PMO and then two or three years will go by and someone will have a bad feeling and then they'll hire somebody to run a PMO 
and they'll form the whole thing again and they'll go through the same process again and again and again. Um, I, I, you know, I, I've done a lot of consulting, so you're in and out of places a lot, but you always tend to keep an ear to the ground or, you know, you have friends there that you've made acquaintances you've made along the way. And I've seen that cycle repeat itself in so many different companies. It just has become such a normalized uh, environment I deal with, I think. Um, so, you know, in, in my current role, my uh, and, and luckily I've had really strong support from upper management from the C-suite. Um, we've really worked not to fall into that reporting hole, right? Not to fall into that. And we're taking action every day to fix the things that are causing us to slow down on project delivery and, and streamline and communication and that kind of thing. So um, hopefully uh, the PMO I'm building today will last more than three years is my goal. <laughs> if I, I'm successful, if it lasts more than three years, apparently at this point. So, you know, you, you answered a lot of the, the questions I typically ask around sort of the theory of, of why this is happening. So, uh, I think we're going to jump now and get into the how. So how does someone who agrees with you, Randy, that they don't want to turn their PMO into a reporting center and they really want it to be about project delivery, project excellence, what's what's step one? I think first off, uh, you need to figure out what you want to get out of the PMO, right? Okay. What's the value proposition for the company? You have to have a very clear picture of that. Uh, if that picture is kind of fuzzy, you'll just you'll just wander around, right? You won't. You have to really know what that is. Um, if you feel that your customer satisfaction needs help, you know, focus on that, right? Low customer satisfaction ratings are a great are, are a great KPI, right? Um, if you could feel you, you, that you're uh, that you're not getting as much profit margin um, out of the deliverables, focus on that. That's a that's a process engineering thing. Um, you know, in the DevOps world, they always talk about constraints, right? So once you have that, that clear picture, you can start looking at what constraints you have in your system, right, in, in your processes, and where, are the, where is it costing you that time, that money, that customer satisfaction? What is affecting customer satisfaction? Um, I've been places where uh, customer satisfaction rates were very low in, in the 70s, right? Um, they, uh, the, co the company actually did a study before, uh, they had a PMO, but they reorged it, right? Um, and they, they did a study and realized that 30% of the uh, bad customer satisfaction surveys were coming out of delivery, right? Um, they were able to focus the PMO on that. We actually did a couple things with cadence and communications and, you know, meeting with the customers. Why, why were you not happy? What happened here, right? Some of it was in the sales process. Some of it was in, you know, um, in the delivery process. But it all came back, and within three months, we went from the seventies and from the mid seventies to the high nineties in customer satisfaction rates. Oh, that's with amazing. some very simple changes. Yeah, very little changes. But we we knew what we had. A, we had a very clear picture going in, right? Um, if if you can't think of anything, if 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 you're going through that process and you're saying, "What do I need for my business? What how how what's the value add?" and you can't think of anything, you probably don't need a PMO. You probably just need some project coordinators and maybe a, an account manager, right? You, you, don't, you don't need the organization around it. And a lot of companies don't, right? Not everybody needs this big organization in place and all this, all the, for lack of better terms, pomp and circumstance, right? Of all the policies and procedures and guidelines. Some, some don't. But if, if you can't find those things and you can't come up with that value proposition, this probably isn't for you. 
Oh, wow. That's great. That's a, that's a really good answer for the first step. What, what other things could you do? Like what be step two, step three? Um, uh, there's a million of them. Uh, <laughs> uh like, yeah, let's, let's maybe just, just a, maybe a, just a few then. Just a, just few. a few. We don't want all million yeah. today. We can, <laughs> no, uh, we'll, we'll get you back. <laughs> we'll get you back in a year. We'll get the, the yeah, that was, good. I'll, there'll be a thesis uh, statement. Later. Um, uh, so I, you know, as I said, first determine company need, right? Second, uh, figure out what resources are available to meet that need. Do you have internal people or not? Right. Do you need to bring people yeah. in from outside? Uh, bringing someone in from outside is a good idea if, you know, cause it's, it's uh, fresh thoughts, fresh ideas. Right. Also, you know, if you haven't done a PMO before, uh, bringing someone in is a good idea. However, especially on the PM level, on that rank and file level inside the PMO, um, you know, a lot of what we do in a PMO has to do with uh, institutional knowledge, right? Yes. Uh, when I'm building a PMO for a company, I always try to find the people who know how to get things done. These aren't necessarily people with PMP credentials. These are people that know that if I run into a snag in this area, I'll call Bob because Bob knows how to fix it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so always look for those, you know, f- figure out where your resources are. Um you know, software and those types of tools are real, real important. Find something that's going to help you get organized. Again, you uh, don't just go grab Microsoft Project. Find a tool that's going to focus you on the value add for the company, right? Um, they, uh, you know, and then, you know, figure out who will be doing the work, right? Just, you know, so that, that's like the second step. Uh, the third step, of course, is tracking. You got to create those those KPIs, right? Yeah. We're not a re, we don't want to be a reporting organization. We don't do the the PMO doesn't do tracking to report to upper management. The PMO does tracking in order to improve the process. So we, we do the tracking to improve process. The byproduct of that is all kinds of real good actionable data will come out of that. Mm-hmm. If your KPIs are in line with what the company's KPIs are and with what the goals of the PMO, the, that data is going to flow, and there's nothing you can't even stop it if you wanted to. Um, you got to move people into positions of authority, I'd say was the next step. Um, very strong support from executive management, C-suite, VPs, that kind of thing is very important. Yeah. Governance can make or break any new initiative, right? If people don't have the right ability. Yeah. If they don't have the right ability to make decisions, they can't be agile. You've got to give them. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. It's, um, and when you implement a PMO, it's really changed. Most of the places I go. And I've even seen it logically. It's not necessarily about implementing new processes in the PMO. It's about fixing all the things that are influencing the PMO from the outside, all the pressures put on it. Look, sales has different pressures than the engineering team does, right? Mm -hmm. And the PMO, if done correctly, is the one place in the organization where finance, sales, engineering, implementation, support, everybody comes together in one place. It's it's the crossroads of all all the interaction for the customer, right? All the interactions. So, um, you know, this is this is good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well said. Okay, so you make this action plan so sound so easy, right? But we know things rarely are. So, what could go wrong for our listeners if they follow the steps you suggest? Well, I mean, like 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 we said earlier, uh, executive leadership is very important, right? The government change is yeah. hard, so. Sometimes what I've seen is that if you don't, if, if the, uh, I'll say the C-suite, right? You got a COO, CEO, somebody really backing you because if they don't, then it's likely that you're going to hit a roadblock after roadblock after roadblock within the organization, right? 
So that's real important. People don't like change. There's a lot of resistance with that. Um, it's an investment. Companies have to know that when they go into this, it's an investment. Software is not cheap. People are not cheap, right? I mean, uh, good, uh, especially technology project managers cost a small fortune today, right? They're, they know yeah. they can work anywhere. And so to get good talent, it costs money. So, um, you know, they can run into a pitfall of just budget problems. Um, also, depending on the organization, this is more of a marathon than a sprint, right? I know we, you know, yeah. we talked earlier about the low-hanging fruit, right? Um, those quick wins aren't necessarily quick wins, right? Um, that's, sometimes that slow and steady wins the race um, is the best thing there. I mean, uh, so sometimes you see respond If you're a company that does a lot of projects, smaller projects, and they're all very uniformed, right? You can start seeing process improvement in the first three or four to six months, right? Yep. Um, you'll, you know, you can easily start seeing customer satisfaction improvement within the first three months, easily. I mean, there's just easy things to do. I, I tell people all the time, customers, uh, internal and external, right? Stakeholders are very forgiving, right? They want to know stuff. They, they want to, they want to trust you. They want to know that you have it under control and they want information and they want information on a regular basis. So they know you haven't forgotten about them, right? Um, that can increase your customer satisfaction very quickly, just a few months. If you're a company that does a long-term, a lot, lot of very large projects, mm -hmm. and they're like, a, a, again, software development companies, for example, um, you're not going to start seeing process improvement for a year because it takes that long to get enough data to realize where your, where your constraints are, where your problems are coming in. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it, it just depends on the organization. But that's, the, that's one of the biggest pitfalls I see is people – the uh, the organization wears out before you can actually make progress. Okay, and that probably is like why the research that you were saying earlier, Benson Consulting, you know, after three years, seventy five percent of PMOs get disbanded because of that resistance. Okay, can you give us uh, you know one quick example of you know somebody you know that faced some of that resistance and overcame it? How how did they do it? Is there is there a lesson there for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've run into this again and again uh, myself. I've seen other people go through it, friends, and you know, that are in the same you know circles that I run in. And um, unfortunately, there's a, a lot of times they fail. I mean, it just it is you know it just is what it is uh, because of some of the factors we've talked about. Um, however, when they're successful, um, really they do it through a few things. One is bring in a PMO manager that's very strong that knows um, what we've talked about today, that understands the value to the company, um, the ability to, they have to have the ability to communicate that to upper management in everybody, the people on their teams, the people in the teams they're interacting with, the C-suite, executive leadership, um, that communication and getting, being able to draw that picture, to paint that picture for those people. Um, sometimes it's, you know, I've seen a, a and I, I picked this up from somebody that you start the whole process with a day in the life of in five years or three years or two years. This is what it'll look like when we get there, you know, to the promised land on the other side or whatever. Um, uh, strong support again. I mean, they're successful through having strong support in the organization all the way from, you know, uh, the rank and file up through executive leadership. Um, that's, that's really a, I can't, exp I can't express how key that is. I know I've brought it up several times, but it's, um, that, that's one of the biggest hurdles I've run into, right? Um, but so really that's it. It's just clear communication, 
having staying focused on you know the goals of and adding value that value proposition and then um, you know good support in the organization well good uh, you know I really enjoyed this conversation you know as I said you know project management's near and dear to my heart um, I really you know want to thank you I, I think our listening audience you know a lot of what you said is gonna you know create a light bulb for them uh, you know, I think they're going to remember your maxim, stop worrying about end result reporting and get back to focusing on things that provide value to getting the work done. You know, that's what it's about. Get the work done well, right? You've articulated that really, really well, Randy. Hope you'll, uh, you know, be a guest in a year and tell us more about like, you know, your journey as a you know head of a PMO and what things we could learn, learn from it. Uh, you know, any organization that's delivering projects, they need a PMO. And I mean, you've given really great, great wisdom. So I really want to thank you for, you know, joining today on When Spreadsheets Hit the Fan. And, uh, you know, it was a great conversation. No, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to When Spreadsheets Hit the Fan, a Birdview podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the latest and best practices for professional service teams. Until next time.